following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. The sermon this morning entitled, Love Gives the Best, is a continuation of a sermon series entitled, Old Words, New Life, Transformative Teachings from the Old Testament. Often, teachings from Old Testament stories are missed either because the stories are confusing or because they are obscure. And we have examples of both cases of that this morning. Let's be for a moment in a spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. People are really familiar with the story of Cain and Abel, particularly the part about Cain killing his brother Abel. That part of the story illustrates the fact that as human beings become alienated from God, they often end up engaging in violence against one another, something we see quite often in many parts of the world, especially in Russia today. The earlier part of the story is the part that we heard in the scripture reading this morning, and that is the confusing part that often leaves people perplexed. In that section, it says that in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel, for his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock their fat portions. Cain and Abel each brought an offering to the Lord. An earlier verse says that Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a tiller of the ground. So they each brought to God out of what they had. So far, so good. But then the passage goes on to say, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, God had no regard. People are often perplexed at this point and wonder, why was Cain's offering not accepted by God? It seems arbitrary, unfair. But a careful reading of the passage reveals that there was actually a significant qualitative difference between the offering of Cain and the offering of Abel. Cain, we are told, brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. He brought something, that's all it says. Abel, we are told, brought of the firstlings of his flock, that is, the firstborn sheep, which were considered to be the cream of the crop. Abel's offering to God came off the top. He gave the first and the best lambs that he had. Moreover, we are told specifically that Abel brought the fat portions to offer. In our age, we tend to think of fat as what you want to trim off and throw away. But in ancient times, people had the opposite perspective. Fat was considered to be the best part of the meat. It's what gave meat its flavor. In short, as Abel brought to God the firstlings and fat portions, he was bringing to God the very best of what he had. Cain simply brought God something. Now, it's not then that God thereupon rejected Cain. When Cain got angry because his offering was not as good as Abel's, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? God was encouraging Cain to do better. 
God was seeking to draw Cain into a more generous life in which he would share his best. Unfortunately, Cain turned away from God, an illustration of what human beings often do. As the biblical story moves forward, God continually calls people to share their best. Among the divine laws for the people of Israel, the people were told, the choicest of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. That pattern of giving one's best for God finds a particularly inspiring expression in the story of the building of the tabernacle, which was the other scripture story we heard this morning. As the people of Israel, having been delivered out of Egypt, were traveling through the wilderness, they were instructed to build a sanctuary for God, a place of worship that would enable the people to experience God's presence among them. Since the people were traveling, it would have to be portable, so it was essentially a giant tent. And the courtyard walls that it had around it also were constructed of fabric with poles so that it could all be moved. There were also some very special items that were to be included within the tabernacle. It all had to be movable. It was therefore called the tent of meeting, or was also called the tabernacle. In order to build it, the people would have to contribute the materials for it. And so, at the beginning of our passage, the people were invited to bring an offering. It is significant what exactly the people were called to bring. As our passage says, this is the offering you shall receive, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and crimson yarns, and fine linen, goat's hairs, tanned ramskins, fine leather, acacia wood, oil for the lamp, spices for the anointed oil, for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, and gems to be set in the ephod and breastpiece. Those were uh, items for the priests. This is very high-grade stuff, the very best of what the people had been able to carry with them out of Egypt. It is notable that the passage says, from all whose hearts prompt them to give, you shall receive the offering. The offering was not something that was to be required of the people or exacted from them. It was to be a free will offering. This is the foundational model for our offerings today. People give whose hearts prompt them to give. How then did the people in Moses' day respond? Following the passage about the invitation to make an offering, the book of, Genesis, the book of Exodus continues with 10 chapters that describe in great detail all the items of the tabernacle that were to be made from the materials that people brought. You gotta have real commitment to read all your way through those 10 chapters. But the point of it is to illustrate what a massive undertaking this was. Then the story continues. And they came. Everyone whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing and brought the Lord's offering to be used for the tent of meeting. They came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and pendants, all sorts of gold objects, everyone bringing an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or crimson yarn or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ramskins or fine leather brought them. Everyone who could make an offering of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's offering. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use for the work brought it. 
All the skillful women spun with their hands and brought what they had spun and blue and purple and crimson yarns and fine linen. All the women whose hearts moved them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and gems to be set on the ephod and breastpiece and spice pieces and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women whose hearts made them willing to bring anything for the work brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. You get the picture. People brought their jewelry. They, they brought the fine materials they had. They pitched in to do the work of spinning and weaving. They brought their very best. And they did so because their heart was stirred and their spirit was willing. The result was a beautiful and inspiring place of worship that served the people of Israel for generations to come. We follow that pattern today. Our hearts move us to respond to God and to likewise bring our best for God's work. We do this whenever we contribute generously through our financial gifts or through our service to the mission of the church. We also follow the pattern of the ancient building of the tabernacle quite specifically whenever we contribute to the worship spaces of our church. Like the ancient Israelites, we are moved to create worship spaces and worship experiences that reflect the very best of what we have to offer. We're celebrating one example of that this morning in our dedication of our renovated sanctuary organ. For traditional worship in a large worship space, a pipe organ adds a glorious quality to the worship. But having a pipe organ is a massive undertaking. As we heard this morning, the renovation of our organ cost over $400,000 and took almost five years from the point when the organ committee first started working. On top of that, for an organ of this sort, you need a really good organist who probably has a master's degree in organ performance, which our excellent organist, Don Filler, has. Some might question whether a church should put this kind of investment into a sanctuary. And this sort of question always arises whenever a church invests in an organ or stained glass windows or any of the expensive items such as sound and video equipment that are needed for any worship service. Might we not better spend the money on helping the needy rather than on worship items? The people of Israel were called to do both, to build the most beautiful, inspiring sanctuary they could and to extensively help the needy, all to the glory of God. We do the same today. We invest in creating meaningful and uplifting worship, and we give hundreds of thousands of dollars every year to mission work, reaching out in multiple ways in our own community and worldwide. We do this because both worship and mission outreach are fundamentally important. And in all of it, we seek to give our best to God. For the ancient Israelites building the tabernacle, one aspect of giving God the best 
involved putting the most skilled people in charge of the work. We heard about Bezalel, a master craftsman who is called to God's service, and the passage goes on to also talk about Aholiab, who is another skilled craftsman who would work with Bezalel and others. We found our modern-day Bezalel in Charles Keg, an outstanding organ builder in our area who's been leading the work of, of renovating our organ. Likewise, we are constantly inviting people in our church who have many different talents to put those talents to work for the glory of God. The Old Testament story of the building of the tabernacle is for many an obscure story, just one that's just not often heard. But in fact, it is a very inspiring story about ordinary people who responded in deep faith and commitment to give to God their best. That kind of movement of devotion finds its biblical culmination in Jesus Christ, who leads us to give ourselves fully to God. Today, may we not only dedicate an organ, but may we dedicate ourselves to give our best for God. Let us pray. Eternal God, you give the best to us. You give us life itself. You place us upon this beautiful planet, surrounding us with a wonderful world. You give us so many blessings each day. Most of all, you give us the gift of Jesus Christ, who out of love offers his very life for us, that we might find forgiveness, that we, O oh Lord, out of our sinfulness and weakness might be reconciled to you, that we might know your presence in our lives each day, guided by your spirit, led in your grace, and given the assurance of your everlasting promises. Lord, inspire us to respond in faith, to lift our lives to you in dedication, to open ourselves to your spirit, that we might use our gifts, gifts that come ultimately from your hand, to share in your purposes in our time. We thank you that just as you drew the Israelites together into a community of faith where they could share and worship and, and join in mission, likewise you draw us today into the life of your church where we can join and worship and we can reach out in mission to the world. We reach out to people who are in times of need close to us, remembering those who are sick and dealing with surgeries, praying especially this morning for Sally Ruckman, Karen Beck, Alexis Phillips, and Mary Ellen Licklider praying for your healing, strengthening power. We think of people around the world in times of great trouble. We lift up people in Korea this morning who are suffering in the aftermath of the terrible stampede there. We lift up people in Ukraine continuing to suffer greatly because of that horrible invasion of their land. We think of people around the world in times of challenge. We pray, Lord, that you would inspire us as we would be a part of your work today as we would join with you in seeking to create the kind of world in which you would have us live, a world of goodness and peace. We thank you that we can be joined together in that work with other United Methodist congregations. We lift up this morning, especially our fellow United Methodists of the Family of Faith, United Methodist Church. Lead us, O oh Lord, as we respond to your wondrous grace, your wondrous blessings, and as with the people of the ages, we, we join in lifting to you 
our best. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.